Imagine attending a barbecue in, say, 20 years' time. The hosts are grilling lab meat burgers. They say they've accepted the climate change and ethical case against using animals, and that their burgers don't just have perfect consistency and flavour, but no animal exploitation or slaughter. Do you partake? Do you stick to the veggie kebabs? What questions do you ask? We're going from the sands of medieval Syria last month to science fiction food this month. And because I'm producing, we're asking everything you want to know about lab meat, but we're too grossed out to ask. I'm Ian McDonald, talking to a scientist who's been funded by Peter to move lab meat forward. And I'm Diana Fleischman. I have been talking to a vegan transhuman philosopher in favor of lab meat, a vegan activist against, and finding out what you think by conducting a survey asking people of all food ethics, would you eat lab meat? Whether it is, this is the vegan option. Dr. Mark Post in the Netherlands claims to be cooking up the first lab meat burger priced at £200,000, $330,000, ready this autumn. You've got the PhD in biochemistry, Ian. Let's dig into the science of lab meat. How is it likely to work and how will that affect animals? Well, I spoke to another biochemist, Dr. Nicholas Genovese at the University of Missouri, USA. He's a vegetarian and working on the underlying science. So it's something that doesn't exist today, um, but hopefully within the next decade, we're, we're going to see um, some in vitro meat uh, appearing on, on the market. In terms of my research, I'm fortunate enough to, to have had um, sponsorship for, for my position by uh, people for the ethical treatment of animals who, who they want to uh, support the goals that, that cultured meat can accomplish. You don't actually make little bits of lab meat yourself you look at some of the underlying questions that ne challenges that need to be answered I'm, yes exactly I'm, I'm i'm trying to overcome the technological hurdles that that are are, are necessary um to produce lab meat people um, have been trying to grow animal cells since the 19th century whether for transplants or as an alternative to animal experiments back, i want to say cultured meat because this in vitro meat or cultured meat if people ever eat it it will never be produced in a laboratory. It will be produced in a dedicated facility. So, Lab meat, or cultured meat as Nick calls it, is an offshoot concerned mainly with growing muscle cells. Nick told me about the challenges. Cells, the growth substrate, and putting them together so the substrate can all get to the cells. Cells, substrate and scaffolding. Yes. The scaffolding and the substrate basically replace the blood and the lymph supply. So let's talk first and most about the cells. The cells in that cultured meat would have had to have been uh, cultivated from some seed stock source, the, which has the ability to self-renew. So these, if you take one cell, it can divide into two cells, into four cells, into eight cells. Okay, I'm going to back up. There's three cell types that have been suggested. Bear in mind that cells start off embryonic, decide what kind of cell they'll be, and then become that cell, doing that job in the body. Now, at the moment, um, cells for lab meat are taken from animals at different stages of that journey. 
And if we start an example at the end of the cellular journey um, with the most invasive animal experiment we'll talk about. Uh, it, was a, it was a NASA funded study. He, he took a, uh, a goldfish fillet uh, from a live goldfish and, and he, he cultured it in a, a, a mushroom based media. And his idea was if you take a living tissue with the living, with the, with the, um, with the structure that's already existing and already producing a lot of these growth factors, you can just grow a, a piece of tissue. Um. The research was aimed at growing animal protein in space. I'm pretty sure fewer children would want to become astronauts if they knew they'd have to eat in vitro goldfish fillets. Another perspective for obtaining a, a seed stock for culture meat production is to extract the adult stem cell population. Or get cells that have decided to become muscle cells, but not yet deployed, like army reservists. The myosatellite cells, these are the stem cells. They, they constitute of approximately 5% of the skeletal muscle mass. And whenever muscle tissue is, is injured, or, or if someone has a vigorous workout and the muscle fiber is damaged, these, these cells become activated and, and regenerate the existing skeletal muscle. So one approach is to take biopsies. Now that process still needs tissue samples from live animals. Ideally, these would be small biopsies and expand these adult uh, muscle stem cells, or also known as my myosatellite cells, out to a sufficient number that can be used for cultured meat production. Now, proponents of this idea say they can re reduce the livestock use by a million fold by using stem cells as a source of cells for cultured meat production. Uh, however, these cells have a limited replication capacity. They can only divide so many times. It would not be an animal-free process. Or you could get at the cells earlier, before they've decided what to be. Most people are familiar with uh, embryonic stem cells. But that hasn't been done with the animals that some people eat. Cattle and pigs and swine. However, there have been induced pluripotent stem cells. And this is what Nicholas looks into. Take the approach that, that I'm hoping to develop here at the University of Missouri is... Taking cells back a stage. These are differentiated cell lineages, which are reprogrammed. Before they've decided what they want to be when they grow up. To be clear, the research still uses animals. I mean, the science is not yet at the stage of cells that can culture forever without going back to animals. Making the scaffolding plant-based is perhaps not the biggest problem. You could use cellulose, a plant fibre, and eat it along with the lab meat. So cellulose and lab meat would be layered, like mm, microscopic lab meat lasagna. <laughs> so that's cells and scaffolding. What about substrate? Most cell culture for biomedical research, it, it's grown using animal-derived components. Uh, common Source, sources of growth factors include fetal bovine serum and horse serum. Or, as one paper put it, a costly media that does not lend itself well to consumer acceptance. Nor is it safe. It introduces uh, safety issues into cultured meat, because if you use animal-derived components, that you introduce the possibility of contamination of, uh, of pathogens from those animals in, into your cultured meat production system. Well, fortunately, there are a lot of uh, fantastic um, animal-derived free growth factors that have been characterized. Like the mushrooms. Yeah, mushrooms, that was an early one. There's also growth factors um, and uh, nutrients that can be extracted from 
the feedstock that livestock are accustomed to eating anyway, such as soy and, and corn, and what's been suggested is, uh, is the use of, of algae, since this can be produced very efficiently. So is it the vegan option? I'd argue that cultured meat can be vegan if it comes from an indefinitely self-renewing cell line and it doesn't come from an animal, and the cell line is grown on plant-based nutrients, then the meat production is completely removed from the animal. Now that we know a little bit more about in vitro meat and how it might work, should our vegan ethics lead us to support it? Well, the people for the ethical treatment of animals have promoted it with a million-dollar prize for anyone who can bring cultured chicken meat to market this June. But others have written that lab meat would undermine ethics towards animals. In my survey, roughly two-thirds of the vegans said they wouldn't eat lab meat, but some of them offer that they would be happy for others to eat it. Like David Pierce. Yes, he's a transhuman philosopher who wants to use science to engineer suffering out of the world. I caught up with him at VegFest UK, taking place near his home in Brighton. Would that be the VegFest who nominated us for their media award? I'm so glad you mentioned it, Ian. Yes, we've been nominated for Best Vegan Publication and Media. It's a great honor, and please, dear listener, vote for us by following the link at the right-hand side of theveganoption.org. But in between asking people there to vote for us, I chatted with David Pierce. Hello, my name's uh, David Pierce. I'm a transhumanist and uh, a vegan. Uh, now, it might seem a little ironic that uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, in vitro meat because I confess the very thought of meat makes me physically sick. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I think the issue of in vitro meat is really ethically very important because it's the only realistic way we're going to be getting uh, a cruelty-free uh, uh, world with any kind of acceptable time, time frame. So it would cost... Um, producers uh, of like egg-laying hens, for example, maybe pennies per egg in order to uh, let hens out of battery cages. And yet they don't do that because it's slightly cheaper to keep hens in battery cages. If it's slightly cheaper to use an animal-based substrate, why would they move towards a model which was all plant-based if they needn't? Yes, uh, that is... Uh a difficult uh, issue which is why I think at the same time as campaigning for the development and commercialization of in vitro meat one has to be pressing the, the, the moral issue too. I know this might sound naive though I just think that other things being equal if consumers are presented with two options one that doesn't involve cruelty or killing uh, the other that does uh, most people other things being equal will go for the cruelty free option. Okay it may only yeah, they might not pay more than a few extra uh, uh, pence, but nonetheless, ultimately, most people are not malevolent. Most people think of themselves as animal lovers, uh, ironically. Jeff Purrs, a vegan activist in Australia, blogged that developing lab meat still requires vivisection. I put that question to David. Uh, for its development. Is this uh, morally justified, do you think? I... Yes, I think so. Life is uh, messy, and if one actually looks uh, at how in vitro meat is produced, then yes, there is the initial uh, extraction of uh, cells from a, a living non-human animal, but this needn't involve cruelty or abuse of any kind, since it can be uh, done uh, from a biopsy performed by, uh, uh, let's say, a veterinarian for a wholly legitimate uh, medical purpose. 
You have said that in the future, eating meat off the backs of animals um, will be as morally reprehensible as cannibalism, that in vitro meat is going to be the standard. Um, what evidence, what, what makes you think that that's actually going to happen in the future? Well, there's quite a lot of evidence that uh, much of what we think of as morality is actually based in our, a lot of the time in our sense of, of, of disgust. Uh, and I think when most people explore the notion of the actual origin of the food in their, on their plate, many people are actually quite dis disgusted. And once they discover they can eat delicious, cruelty-free food that doesn't have these, these uh, ethical implications, I think, yes, there will very rapidly be a, a transition to the cruelty-free uh, option. And just as now we look at uh, cannibals as, as, as barbarians and savages, and even though it seems to have been quite common in human history in rare cases today when there is cannibalism we have this sense of revulsion i suspect uh, people who eat meat today in some cases in later life will uh, yes look back with revulsion as they tuck into their in vitro gourmet steaks uh, probably quite self-righteous too and once it actually reaches the stage where most people eat in vitro meat i see uh, traditional forms of animal, so-called animal husbandry uh, and uh, factory farming and slaughterhouses is actually being criminalized, um, which is what we should be aiming for as rapidly as possible. Jordi Casimichana, a veteran activist from Catalonia in Spain, who played a central role in convincing the Catalonian parliament to ban bullfighting, joined me in the studio. I am against uh, lab meat uh, for many reasons, but the main reason perhaps is the ethical reason. I'm against because it's an animal product. And being a vegan and an ethical vegan, I object to using animal products. And even if it's derived from a cell, it still is an animal product. I also object to it because it's not good for the environment. Uh, there are better options than this sort of meat. There is the plant-based diet. And even if it happened to be a bit better than farm animals in terms of environment, it's not that good compared with plant-based diet. Therefore, why choose something that is not that good if the alternative exists? I don't like either because it undermines the tenant of the animal rights and animal welfare movement, which is don't eat meat is a bad thing. It attacks the concept by changing the definition. I think it's not good. Good. And it's not good for society because I think society would be a better society if it becomes vegan. We'll be more respectful with everyone, for the, not just for the animals, for the, with the environment and with each other. And therefore, any obstacle that you put between a person that might want to become vegetarian and a vegan person is something that is going to delay that transformation that society requires. And, and therefore, it is bad for the world that, that is going to take longer for to become vegan. And that's generally why I don't like this concept. When vegans reject the entire research process of producing in vitro meat, aren't they not inputting their perspective, which would make in vitro meat possibly ethically neutral, which would make the substrate plant-based, and which would make the cells themselves less likely to be derived from living animals, more like a, a immortal cell line? My opinion is that uh, lab meat should not exist. So, and who might be eating this meat? Either a carnivorous that has some guilt or a vegetarian or vegan that thinks that it's a good thing. I'm quite happy that all the vegetarians and vegans say no to it for any reason. And I'm quite convinced that that carnivorous that might have some guilt in it, they never will find that meat the same. 
it's not going to be exactly the same because people normally, what they like about the meat is the fat, the kind of things that they're going to take away from this one. So I hope it's not going to work. I hope that is, and if it's not going to work, then it's not going to be that problem that you just mentioned. It's not going to be a, a version that is worse than it could have been. I just want to, I, I would love that it's cut from the beginning. I mean, it's not quite expensive now already. So unless it's very cheap, it's not going to be viable commercially. But I hope that if it's rejected unanimously by everyone, uh, they will not go ahead. They will just become a, an interesting thing that somebody tried in the past. And then veganism could perhaps get all the money they are spending now in producing perhaps cheaper ways to produce soya milk. Let's say that there are two alternate universes, right? There's one in which the world becomes vegan. And there's one in which there is ethically neutral in vitro meat in a large vegan population, right? Let's say that the vegan world takes longer to get to than the one in which in vitro meat, ethically neutral in vitro meat happens. So thus, more animals die on the way to a vegan world than on the way to an in vitro meat world. Do you still stick to your vegan world versus in vitro meat world? Absolutely. And the reason is that scenario you just pointed to me is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. From that point onwards, every day in the vegan world, nobody is suffering. And every day in the other world, somebody is suffering. Therefore, at the long run, it will be in the, if you, you see the history of humankind from that point onwards, it will be far more suffering in the uh, lab meat world than in the vegan world. So for me, the important thing is to reach the point of the vegan world. If the price to get the right world is to take longer, I take that price. So, psychologist, what did your survey say? I got 63 answers. Thank you, everyone. About half vegan and half meat eaters of various shades with four vegetarians. Most vegans said they would not eat it. Many cited animal experiments, health concerns, lack of necessity, and reinforcing the paradigm of animals as ours to use. Of the five vegans who said yes to lab meat, there was a utilitarian bent. But even a couple of these sounded queasy about the prospect. Then I asked what if it was ethically neutral, as cruelty-free as, say, kale. Even harvesting kale would kill a lot of insects, some small mammals, and displace many other species. This did not change the responses of the vegans. Some expressed skepticism about the premise of the question. Well, it is a bit like being asked if you'd eat roadkill. Vegans are used to being posed thought experiments that are designed to elicit a circumstance in which we'd eat meat. I actually think that these answers against lab meat, about 70% of the vegans saying that they would not eat it, is quite worrying. If there is no demand for ethically neutral lab meat, this means that there may be lab meat produced in a way that is almost as cruel as the factory farming of today. But disgust also seems to be a big part of the conversation about in vitro meat. Another vegan who said they weren't sure if they would eat it says, it just creeps me out. And this person compared it to cruelty-free cannibalism. Unfortunately, disgust is one of Diana's research interests. Different studies have shown that moral vegetarians are more disgusted by meat, but also that those who eat the most meat are the most generally disgust-sensitive. This might mean that those who are the most ethically motivated, those moral vegetarians, won't support lab meat, 
but that those who could do the most good by eating it, those who eat the most meat, would be too disgust-sensitive to even try it. But not this meat-eater, who told the survey, Lab meat sounds a lot less disgusting than the ingredients of a McDonald's double cheeseburger, which I eat about once a week. Well, perhaps once cruelty-free lab meat is a real prospect rather than a thought experiment, and people can make in vitro tarian a lifestyle choice, there'll be a lot more demand for it. What about the vegetarian lab meat scientist, Nick? Would he eat the lab meat burgers at our futuristic barbecue? I'd ask how it was produced. My, my concerns would be, was it produced from animal-derived components? Um, was was this, the, the cell source, did it require the slaughter of an animal? I'd be really fascinated, I, however it was produced, though, I'd be really fascinated by learning more about, about the process. So I, I'd want to make sure that the cultured meat would, would be, at least if not total, completely, largely animal independent. Would you? Mostly, I agree with Nick, although I would only eat lab meat if it was wholly non-animal derived. But if its harm footprint was equal to, say, kale, and by eating it I could encourage others to stop eating conventional animal products, then why not? What about you, Ian? Perhaps. I'd, I'd want to be sure about the issues you talked about, and also that patents on the technology had expired so that nobody was making money from their old animal experiments. And also, um, since I don't really care whether I eat it either way, it would depend on whether the evidence proved Geordie right about it undermining ethics, or David right about it moving society towards banning animal farming. What do you think? Tell us on facebook.com slash veganoption and the blog post at theveganoption.org where I've linked to the research. You can also follow us on Twitter at veganoption, review us on iTunes, and if you're hearing this before May the 25th, 2012, vote for us as the best vegan media in the VegFest Awards. The link is on our website. Copyright us. Digital media artist Rob Masters wrote our theme. I'm Ian McDonald with The Biochemistry. I'm Diana Fleischman, producing and chatting. 